Welcome, True Believer readers, to another episode of Let's Read Spider-Man, the best podcast to break down hard-hitting dialogue such as Silence, Blondie, or you'll visit Davy Jones' locker permanently, and you couldn't find your way out of a house of glass. Here to provide analysis for those lines, and so much more, is my friend Eddie. How are you today, Eddie? Um, I'm, I'm feeling kind of loosey-goosey, actually. I've been moving around a lot. I don't know, maybe, perhaps a little silly, could we say? Yeah. <laughs> I like this. these references we're always getting at the beginning of our podcast, Davy Jones' Locker, James B. You know, the line, Silence Blondie, or you'll visit Davy Jones' Locker permanently, actually has two musician names in it, even though neither one is actually Blondie, what they're referring to. Uh-huh. And Davy yeah, Blond- Jones? Yeah. No? Uh, My generation and your generation having problems again? No, I, I don't know if I explained to you when I actually started listening to pop music, but it was pretty far into my life. <laughs> no, okay. <laughs> Uh, well, Blondie sings a song not called House of Glass, but Heart of Glass. Um, uh, and then uh, Davy Jones is a singer from the Monkees, which is a, oh, okay. which is a band. Yeah, I know them. Uh, well, there'll be a lot of 80s. No, sorry, actually, a lot of late 70s references that I'm going to have to pick up the slack on here. Uh, but don't worry, there'll be a time when we get to the current books that I won't know anything that's going on. You can talk to me about your TikTok and all the, the junk you're into. <laughs> oh, yeah. All right. All right. Well, get us going, James B. From January of 1979. Eddie, we're in 1979. Yay. Stan Lee presents The Amazing Spider-Man 188, The Jigsaw is Up, written by Marv Wolfman, layouts by Pollard, finishes by Esposito. We open with a mysterious group of purple jumpsuit-clad baddies dealing cryogenically frozen John Jameson. J. Jonah is distraught about the kidnapping of his son, but with some help from Robbie, he finds a way out of his depression and with the help of his investigative reporters is determined to find his son. We learn that J. Jonah's wife died and he raised John by himself. Yeah. I find it unusual that you and I didn't ask more about Mrs. J. Jonah Jameson. We've only had 15 months and like 140 podcasts to bring this up and... We never even thought about this. Right? I, I was we? I was right. I was ready for the writers to initiate this. There was some curiosity, but I didn't want to speculate. So I didn't even think about it. I never I never even thought like, here's a guy. I didn't even connect that he had a son. He yeah. must have had a wife. I never even thought of it. Yeah. Well, all right. Across town, Peter is tearfully visiting his weary aunt in her second home, the hospital. Been a while since she's got out of a hospital bed, James B. Arguably, she spends more time in a hospital than any of her residences because she does change residences a lot. Oh, that's true. Uh, well, Betty consoles her glum hero, Peter, and following Aunt May's orders to make sure Peter enjoys himself, arranges a midnight cruise with Flash, Shawshan, Liz, Harry, and herself. Peter's spider sense pings because he sees MJ with a hunky quarterback. Is that right? Yeah, I double-checked it, too, because I'm like, his spider sense goes off. And then I was like, well, is the villain around or anything? Nope, it's it's MJ. MJ sets off his, Just his, lady. his spider sense. Yeah. That's cool. So um, that's Brad Davis, by the way, the ESU star quarterback. Yes. You know how I like to hang up on these, uh, you know, the Whitey Mullins of the book and everything. But, yeah, I thought that was kind of funny that, like, it's his mate, you know, maybe. Like, <laughs> right. His- it's a threat from another male. Um, but yeah, no jigsaw, so it has to be him. Uh, three pages later, while Peter and Betty awkwardly encounter MJ and her date, Jigsaw, with his restless crew, 
commandeer the vessel and rob the passengers of their belongings, which amounts to $3,000. Good times for him. But then Spidey shows up, but can't stop the criminals' retreat because Jigsaw takes Harry and Liz hostage. Once on land, Spidey is worried the stress of the kidnapping will trigger Harry and begins his search for Jigsaw and his hostages. Jigsaw lets Harry and Liz go, but can't outrun Spidey, who psychologically defeats him. Spidey swings away as the police admire Spider-Man. All right, you can help me here. Okay. Jigsaw has a chance to kill Harry and Liz earlier. Right. And he lets them go. Yes, he does. Mm -hmm. Then he has a bullet left for Spider-Man. And Spider-Man's like standing right in front of him. He's got one shot. He doesn't take it. This guy doesn't feel like a Punisher-level villain. Oh. A few a few weeks ago on our podcast, Lunatic killed a 14-year-old girl for shoplifting. Your best friend, the White Dragon, slice in broad daylight, an enemy uh, gang leader. Right. This guy, Jigsaw, he's supposed to be the Punisher's rival. Like, this guy's a disappointment. Yeah, he has this... All through the book, we see him kind of struggling to figure out what to do about Spider-Man. He's, like, clearly afraid of Spider-Man. And then the chase in which Spider-Man chases Jigsaw is pretty extended. And Jigsaw only panically fires into the air. It's a very different fight. Uh, Marv Wolf and the writer did a good job throughout the book of showing this fragile mental state. But it really, at the end, when Jigsaw has got his gun to Spider-Man's head and Spidey just sits there and he's like, are you really going to do it? And he just crumples to the ground. It just... It finalizes his below sea level villain status. <laughs> so let's try to help out everybody here for a minute. The writer wants us to understand that Jigsaw is psychologically screwed up. I mean, if you, Eddie, I know you're a big fan of uh, Marvel's MCU Netflix shows. Like you've watched Daredevil, right? I have, yes. And you've watched The Punisher, and like you know, Jigsaw's out there in this, right? Like you remember this? Or you do not yeah, I do. I remember this. Okay. I would do right. So, and he is kind of like psychologically, like a like kind of crazy. Un, yeah, so, unsound for sure. Yeah, yeah. So they, they, and if you look at the cover, which this is, I don't know. Uh, sometimes you and I disagree on the covers if it's a good or bad cover, but this cover really screams like this guy is freaking out. Like he does, yeah. but he is shooting at Spider Man. But he looks like he's panicked and yeah, in in, in, in despair. I guess that. I guess he just didn't do a good enough job of convincing me in the beginning that he was unhinged and unable to take this shot. Like, I, you know, they, it's like the end of the story was he couldn't do any of these things, but I guess I needed more to be convinced earlier. That's I, all. I think the real problem for me here is that Jigsaw, even in prime form, is can't even come close to matching Spider-Man. There's, no, there's never any danger when there's a Jigsaw-Spider-Man fight. I know he's got a gun, but like, unless people actually start connecting shots doesn't matter so to have him kind of psychologically fall apart without much prompting i mean there's this weird chase and it seems to indicate he's scared it's just it's not enough for me but i do like the concept i'm ready i like different types of fights all right well this book here has a little bit more than the other two books so i want to stay with it for a minute okay spider-man calls harry by his name in the book and does harry does harry know Sp- Spider-Man's Peter or not? It's so weird. They're on the boat. Jigsaw's taken Liz hostage. And Spider-Man says to him, uh, what does he say? Or is it here? Oh, he says, Harry, go with Liz. She'll be safe with you there. Uh, what? 
just calls Harry by his first name. This seems remarkably casual for like Harry and Spider-Man and everyone else who's on the boat. Clearly they're the center of the of tension here. I guess maybe Jigsaw is. I don't. It, I, it's a weird thing. Well, then later on when he, he has the, he, he follows him because he has a tracer on him, yes. you know? And instead of calling him Harry, he does call him Mr. O a couple times. Because at one point he says, like, how'd you find it so quickly? This is Harry talking to Spider-Man. Yeah. And he says, "'Twasn't difficult, son. Not when you happen to possess a handy-dandy spider tracer, patent pending, and only nineteen ninety nine from guess who? By the way, Mr. O, you okay? You know what I mean? Uh, He's yeah. like, yes, of course. I was just worried what he'd do to Liz. You know, but there's no communication there like, you're Peter, or, oh my God, you're Spider-Man. It's like so casual. It's, yeah, I... I don't know what to say other than it's weird. I I don't know. I don't know what they're aiming at here. I mean, does Jigsaw know Harry's the Goblin? <laughs> Everybody knows Harry's the Goblin, right? <laughs> right? I mean, duh. so it tends to be my area to talk about the women. But I noticed you had something to say to Betty. <laughs> Betty... Betty is in the hospital with Peter at Aunt May's bedside in a bikini top. <laughs> and that's not the only like time she's in a bikini top or other female characters in this book. They are so much more scantily clad. Like Peter's in a full like 70s jumpsuit and the women are like barely wearing clothes. <laughs> yeah, Liz probably is wearing the most because Right. She's got like jean shorts and a tank top, and that's probably the most clothing anyone's wearing in this thing. But it's 1979, man. You got to get with the times. All right. And uh, from February of 1979, Stan Lee presents The Amazing Spider Man 189 Mayhem by Moonlight, written by Wolfman, illustrated by Byrne and Jim Mooney. We begin with Aunt May headed from the hospital to the retirement home. Peter is crestfallen and attacks a belligerent doctor in his despair. Uh, does moving from a retirement home mean you'll never see a person again? You want to explain to the listener why you're asking that question? Or do you want me just to read the panels? Why don't, why don't you read part of the panels here so we get the real story? So Peter walks in and he says, well, if it isn't the Cheryl Teagues lookalike herself, you know, and she's like, oh, Peter, you've come. So they go and they help her and they walk her all the way down. They put her in the ambulance to drive her to the nursing home and a jerk doctor comes out and he says, uh, I'll bet you're relieved knowing you'll never have to visit that dear woman again. And Peter's like, what you sniveling little jerk. And he like grabs a doctor and lifts him up with his Spider-Man strength. I don't care if you are a doctor. How dare you talk that way to me? That woman means the world to me. I love her more than anything I do. And then he like realizes it puts the guy down and the doctor's like holding his neck and everything. So yeah, the fact that he says, you'll never see that person again. Uh, maybe that was a little extreme, but they wanted to get a reaction out of Peter to get him to explain how much he loved right. his aunt. And, and they, you know, what what else could the doctor have said to get him that riled up? They, that was sort of like the like line on the edge, right? I Yeah, I guess I forgot, too. This is because Peter is failing to pay for her bills in the hospital. And I think that's why she's moving to the retirement home. So it really is like a downgrade. Yeah, you did mention that she was going to a cheaper, yeah. in the last podcast, mm-hmm. you mentioned she had to go to a cheaper place because he couldn't afford it. Yeah. Uh, well, also desperate is J. Jonah. He can't find his recently kidnapped son. J. Jonah goes to Marla, who consoles him after finding the DA unhelpful. J. Jonah hatches a plan to publicly offer a million dollar reward <laughs> if anyone else can find his son. 
we see a mysterious scientist claiming that no one will be able to find John uh, as he energizes and injects a silent mummified man. Meanwhile, Peter has a change of heart after Betty aggressively kisses him. Oh, man. <laughs> wow. Uh, great stuff. I got I got a lot to say here. Uh, Byrne and Mooney have a great panel of Marla consoling J. Jonah Jameson with no words. I don't know if you caught this. Yes. It's a really panel powerful. without anything. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I loved it. It was such a great job. And then I want to give compliments to uh, Wolfman where – uh, Robbie's trying to explain the complex relationship between himself and J. Jonah Jameson and how like J. Jonah really will listen to Robbie in the end and they need each other. It's just really well written. And then, of course, there's the part with Betty kissing Peter, um, you know, and they do the like several hour later. Um, eventually, Peter heads out for a swing, admiring his good fortune of finding love again but spots the mummified man climbing the bugle building. He breaks into Jay, Jonah's office with Spidey following not too long after. They battle with J. Jonah yelling from the sidelines. Spidey can't stop Jonah's assailant, and as he lays wounded, we see the man-wolf grab an unconscious Jonah to take him somewhere else. Eddie, I hate man-wolf. I really do. By the way, no, no, one, was, no one was fooled, right? Yeah, we knew that was... John, a long time ago. Yeah, if you want to hide the Iceman inside a, something, <laughs> you can fool me, but not when like the book is literally about the man wolf. Uh, Eddie, this is a great concept, but the execution's annoying because the writers won't let him kill anyone because he's John Jameson. I'm going to say that again. Man wolf is, is like the worst. I see man wolf, yeah. like he can't hurt anyone ever, I, ever. Like even if they have him like dive into like an area, you're like, oh my God, what's good? The people are never, they're never killed. Uh, this is at least the second time someone else has controlled him also. So since he's no threat to anyone ever, I don't even know why people are taking over this guy. I don't like this villain in any way. Eddie, I would absolutely rather see White Dragon Whoa. because at least that guy killed a rival Whoa. gang leader. Give me lunatic killing a shoplifter. Give me someone who can kill someone. That's terrible. claims, James B. I, I got, hate Man-Wolf. Hate I, him. I got to say that there's a lot of redeeming qualities of Man-Wolf. I, I like his... It's a long-winded story that really complicates J. Jonah's life and Spider-Man's life, too. I know he doesn't kill anyone, but that doesn't mean he's not a dangerous threat. Like, you know, he can change the situation just by showing up. Everyone's like, whoa, we got to be careful because Man-Wolf is here. Do you? Yeah, do you? you do. You don't know what's going to happen exactly. Just because no one dies doesn't mean drama can't happen. Mm. Okay. Whatever. <laughs> He's terrible. Hey, who's Cheryl Tiggs? <laughs> Cheryl Tiggs. <laughs> oh, Tiggs. My bad. She's a she's a leggy supermodel from my generation. She's not an actress like Farrah Fawcett, who was also mentioned in these books. I don't know if you know that. So let me let me give yeah, you some I, people I here. Saw her in there too. Yeah. Yeah. Remember and yeah, and Betty Brant. When Betty Brant shows up um, back in Amazing Spider-Man one eighty four. Peter's like, Betty Brand, is that you? And she's like, well, it isn't Cheryl Ladd. So they're hitting all the people here. So let me just give you a real quick summary of these people. Because it's two Cheryls and Farrah Fawcett. Ready? Here we go. These are all people you can buy posters of, Eddie. The <laughs> okay. difference is Cheryl Teagues is like the like the swimsuit model who'd be on like Sports Illustrated. Okay. 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 She's like kind of like one of the first supermodels ever, like for that. <laughs> wow. Where where Cheryl Ladd and Farrah Fawcett are like uh, actresses who are like pretty and they were on Charlie's Angels, ah. which was a TV show in the 70s. Okay. 
Okay. Thanks. So you, you can buy po- you can buy posters of all of them. Or like, I'm sure I I'm we pretty sure I had a. Uh, do you guys know what like trapper keepers are? Is that something? Oh yeah, they're back around. My daughter's got a trapper keeper. Okay. Well, you could also have like folders in the trapper keeper of like the Ninja Turtles. You yes. can snap them inside. With I little... also right. used to have this. Okay, so you could have if you wanted to buy ones with like uh, different people on them instead of Spider Man, you could buy Cheryl Teagues or Farrah Fawcett or Cheryl Ladd. I'm not kidding. I, I definitely had at least one of those guys for sure. That was a thing. Yeah. All right, well, James B., let's find out what happens to one of your favorite characters in the next book. Okay, well, speaking of models, I think this last book actually has models in it to make up for Man-Wolf. But from March of 1979, Stan Lee presents The Amazing Spider-Man 190 in Search of the Man-Wolf, written by Wolfman, layouts by Byrne, and finished by Mooney. Man-Wolf has got Jonah, and he falls through a skylight into the New York Auto Show. We see his shadowy master exposed as the sickly Spencer Smythe. Manwolf and Spidey battle around the finest cars of 79, and it's clear Manwolf is more powerful than ever before. Yeah, and uh, there's some models that are running around screaming and uh, quitting, by the way. <laughs> Sadly, we go back to Manwolf, who flees the battle with Jonah, and we get a backstory about how a moon rock lodged in John's neck was poisoning him. Uh, and with and there was no cure, Marla suggests they cryogenically freeze John in the hopes that one day in the future he might be cured. And I'm not trying to call you out to make fun, but is it was it lodged in his like throat That's... or like stuck in his neck on the side? Which way did you think it was? I thought it was lodged in the throat is the way I read okay. it. Okay, I thought so too. I thought so That's too. the way I read it. But you know what? It's really touching. Speaking, you talked about some of the panels in the previous book. J. Jonah says he loves John. What? What a soft heart for J. Jonah here. I mean, it's his son, but sure. You know, you're right. Still, though. It's, it's... he could, you know, he doesn't, he seems like one of those dads in this era that's like, stiff upper lip, boy, get out there and beat somebody up. <laughs> no, he, they, they bring up, this is when he's, this is all the J. Jonah Jameson, like, you know, the spotlight's on him. You know what I mean? Like, let's it's learn about him and his family. Like, we're, he's, he's taking center stage right now in the, in the late 70s here. In the late 70s, they also had three different books, Eddie, to try to promote just characters who didn't have a home. And one of them was Marvel Premiere. I bring that up because they mention here that these scenes happened from Marvel Premiere 44 and yes. 45. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to let you know that I went and did a little research on who else has appeared in those books. Because I have a couple of Marvel Premiere books kicking around. Uh, the first two issues were Adam Warlock and then they gave him his own book. Then they turned to Doctor Strange, and then he got his own book from that, too. Oh, wow. Um, but he, I think he, Doctor Strange probably had a book at the time. <clears throat> I think but so. Iron Fist in the 1970s had 10 issues, and then he goes on and gets his own title. But other people that had their own books, hold on. <coughs> wow. Big, big long run <coughs> for me talking in a row. Yeah. <clears throat> um, other people that had their own titles were Tigra, Falcon, and the awful wood god, to name a few. But Manwolf had, <laughs> Manwolf had, yeah, Manwolf had two issues in there. Wow. All right. Well, let me finish this one off. Back in battle, Spidey is taking quite a beating, and Smythe is screaming that Spidey must stay alive with Manwolf to finish him. And I was like, okay. But Jonah desperately pleads with his Lupin son, and slowly he seems to be getting through to John. But Professor Smythe screams into an implant, bringing the beast back to his mission. He climbs Jake Jonah onto the top of the Brooklyn Bridge where Spider-Man finally catches up 
with the pair of Jamesons. As he's about to strike, John turns back into his human form, and it appears Smythe has failed. But the wily doctor has one last trick up his sleeve. He pounds a button, sending John into pain, causing him to topple off the top of the bridge. Spider-Man grabs John, but John knows there's something inside him heating up, and he lets go of Spidey's hand. With a whoosh and a flash of light, John is gone. When Spidey returns to Jonah, Jonah blames him for his son's death. Spidey departs in silence, leaving J. Jonah Jameson alone. Lots of people die or come close to dying in Spider-Man from falling off tall structures. Oh, you think John Jameson is dead here? He, there was a flash of light and he's gone. And this guy has died more times than he's been alive. <laughs> he's died more times than Aunt May's gone to the hospital. <laughs> That's not possible. That's not possible, is it? <laughs> okay. All right. Maybe not. But you really, like, I don't know. I mean, there's no way he's dead. There's no way. Well, he's falling off the bridge. It's so uh, Gwen Stacy-like. I don't know. Yeah, okay. D- is Electro dead? He Didn't he just blow up? He didn't fall into the water, right? We agree- Do we agree that he didn't fall in the water? It was like an explosion or some flash I can- I'm sorry. Just go back for a second. Did Electro blow up or not? He did. So he's dead. Well, yes, but Electro is like mostly electricity. So dying in an electrical explosion seems unlikely for Electro. John could just turn into some kind of man wolf on the fall, and then During the man the wolf could s- survive and okay. regenerate himself. But did or did he fall into the water, or did he something happen to him before he hit the water? What do you think? I don't. I don't know. I don't. I, <laughs> and you don't care. <laughs> I don't. I don't. I don't. Unlike you, I don't have the book open while I'm talking about this. I <laughs> I, love I read the book. book. I write my notes. I talk about it. I don't know. <laughs> I think he. I think this was an something happened to him before he even hit the water. So I just disregarded this. He's going. There's. I don't know. Like I don't read the future books, but he's not dead. This isn't the end of John Jameson. Like, oh, John J- remember when John Jameson died? Yes. I mean, Peter Parker's clone we know is coming back. You know, like no who's no one's dead. No one dies in uh, Spider-Man except people, for Uncle Ben. Captain Stacy? Does Captain Stacy come back? He's not like a superhero. He's just a person. All right. Superheroes that die. I mean, John Jameson yeah. No, no. He doesn't. Die. He's Manwolf. Like this is this is this is how Manwolf. Tell ever tell tell everyone how Manwolf died. How did Manwolf die so dramatically? What happened? He, explain it again. He died in the same way that Gwen did. That's one of the reasons I think he's dead too. Because like this is how people die. No, like, no, he didn't. He because he let go on purpose. Right. True. Because what was happening to him? He was going to blow up. That's what he said. He was like heating up. There was something inside him. I assume there was some kind of implant that Smythe put in him to. So if he was going to blow up, why didn't he just like, didn't, why didn't Spider-Man like jump over and all of a sudden they had him blow up and then, right? Oh no, he fell yes. out of view. <laughs> yes. Stop being so naive. <laughs> Eddie, I got a bridge I want to sell you. Actually, I do want to sell you something. Hold okay. On. Oh, Eddie, here we go. Have you ever had a moon rock stuck in your neck? No. <laughs> okay. How about a splinter in your it, finger? Yes. That has occurred. Oh. All right, well, we've got a solution. Eddie, the inventor of the Marla Madison home security system has made cryogenics affordable for you, available in 10-year, 20-year, 50-year, and 100-year models. You can climb right in and await the technology to come up with a solution to your problems, such as that nasty splinter. Now, Eddie, I know what you're thinking. Does it only have to be physical problems like this splinter? Well, 
Today, we learned how Spider-Man defeated Jigsaw mentally. So lots of people can use Marla Madison's cryogenics to escape other problems in life. In fact, right now, there are happy people who are awakening to a world that 10 years ago had problems that are now gone. For example, the ice bucket challenge. Don't have to worry about that anymore. Uh, fidget spinners. Oof. Glad I was sleeping through that one. Uh, remember words with friends? Oh my God, please. And nobody is T-bowing anymore. Eddie, whatever is bothering you today, whether it's physical or, you know, just problems like that, it can be solved by cryogenics. So check out their ad in Practical Sheep, Goats, and Alpaca magazine or search them up on YouTube. You know, James B., you might miss a lot of other things that you might want to be a part of while you're cryogenically frozen. <laughs> Eddie, are you telling us that you missed the Ice Bucket Challenge? I did not miss the Ice Bucket Challenge, but that was right around, like, I don't know, my children's birthdays. <laughs> I would not that want were, to miss that. You see, and, and all I'm hearing is... I couldn't celebrate my children's birthdays because every two seconds somebody's running around throwing ice buckets <laughs> on their heads, you know, I while like, they're T-bowing. I, <sighs> I like how this, like, if I get a splinter too, I'm like, well, I just don't have time to pull that out. If I can cryogenically freeze myself for like several hours and then come out of it, I'm like, now I have some time. <laughs> Rocket Racer the other day was explaining he didn't have time pull out a splinter that guy is busy yeah he did he also didn't have time to unlatch spider-man who was webbed on to him no and you know he didn't have time to worry about he didn't have to worry about flossing anymore with people standing around doing the floss remember that <laughs> take 10 years off you can skip a lot of things eddie so all right i'll pencil uh, you in right now for an appointment yeah, make sure it's with pencil please so do you have the sheet eraser do you have Practical Sheep, Goats, and Alpaca magazine? or, or do you? I'm going to have to order it. <laughs> okay. It's a good magazine. I'm glad that's good the magazine they advertise it. No, yeah, not one of our sponsors at the moment, but, you know, could be. Eddie, anything else about these books? You know, uh, we could talk about it after the show. Let's wrap this one up. Okay. That works out good. Eddie... I remember uh, about two podcasts ago, I was asking people to uh, to write in, and uh, I'm going to give them just a little more time, get get a couple more people to write in, and we're going to going to have a big reveal. Okay. But uh, for now, how could people uh, if they wanted to get in there, if they still wanted to squeeze one in, no, how could you get in? Time there? you can email yeah. us at let's read spiderman at gmail .com, or you can find us on Twitter at let's read spidey. It could be bad for Twitter, yeah, too. You know, Twitter's in like a huge rigmarole. Yeah, we're holding on. We, you know, for those who don't know, we've we've got we've got 4,000 followers on Twitter. That's true. I don't know why none of them are tweeting stuff about us, but they're there. So they're not all robots. If they were, they'd all be wiped out by now. That's part of the deal right now, I guess. We're hanging in there. <sighs> Time for the close. I'm James B., joined by... Eddie! And remember, listeners, if you are ever attacked by Manwolf... Don't worry, he can't hurt you. <laughs> Goodbye! Goodbye.
down on man wolf he can't hurt you he can't kill you that's what i'm saying man wolf can Can't. knock out knock out a lot of people his costume's a joke too <laughs> and eddie you always type always you type wolfman all over the place I and, I, const- and I constantly have to go back and kicking <laughs> i change it for you all the time I'm like you don't even know his name he's a joke it's terrible. White tiger, white dragon. Hey, you know what is the greatest insult? MJ calls her date the lummox. Yep. Tiger. Does she? Oh. Did you read that correctly? Oh. I saw you. I saw the notes. I'm not really sure you read that. Are right. you ready? I know I read this correctly because I was get, so upset. Ahead, I know I did. Me. So Lummox says, uh, so that's the famous Peter Parker. He really is a zero. And then MJ thinks two zeros with a one before him. Ooh. But then she says, hey, come on, tiger. She's throwing tiger out for anybody here. Protect this guy. There's only one tiger. It's Peter Parker. So I was just thinking about this. Like you've got Liz, Betty, and MJ, you know? Right. They're all they're all here. We like, just need Gwen to complete the quartet of love interest well parker you never really get them all because gwen uh, replaced liz liz was becoming interested in him betty was already sort of dating him and then mj was being being told because remember he's like i have a girlfriend yo you're gonna meet that nice mary jane he's like (laughs) i don't need to be set up with anyone i have a girlfriend Yeah, yeah 